can I just first say how blessed I feel to have such absolutely incredible people surrounding me that I then get to share with all of you. My heart is so full. Marlene Robinson is one of those women speaking into me that I could not be more grateful for. The way she lives, works, and loves through life from a place of pure generosity is exactly how I hope I show up in this world. Add to that, this girl is crazy, crazy smart. She owns two patents on an incredible device she invented. She owns and manages a spectacular event center in Boise, Idaho, and she produces transformational events connecting people to truly help them live their best lives. I can't even begin to tell you how much I adore her. Please help me welcome Marlene Robinson. So tell me about you. That is such a weird question. <laughs> I'm always like, tell me all about you and right. what can I do to help you? So I Tables are turned today. I know, this is weird. <laughs> tell you about me. Um, I don't really even know what to say. I, 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 um, I'm a mom, Yes. first of all. Um, I have two, a two-legged child and I have two four-legged children. Perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I get that. Oh, yeah, I walk my dogs every day. That's like a... Um, I can't, I can't miss how to do it. It's a non-negotiable. My dogs get walked every day. I think they walk me. Yes. Actually, because I need that outdoor time and then they run and it's all good. Um, I am a business owner. Um, I basically have three divisions to my company, my parent company being MIG Enterprises, Inc. Okay. Um, the first division being my invention. Second division being MIG Enterprises Presents the productions that I do, and the third now being the Lake Harbor Event Center that I own and operate um, here in Boise. Fantastic. Uh, I guess survivor of two failed marriages, um, <laughs> originally California native, um, and yeah, I guess that kind of sums me up. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have, I mean, I know a little bit about uh, some of the career work that you do, but um, tell me a little bit more about your little invention. My little buckle bopper. <laughs> so this was like the beginning of my, um, no, it really wasn't the very first invention that I made. The first invention that I made uh, with which I needed to create a corporation under was something called belief magnets. Um, and I can get into that later. And so I created the company MIG Enterprises Inc. And then um, about Three years after I invented the or created the company, uh, my son was two, and he was in his car seat, and he was very sick, and I had a broken thumb on one hand and carpal tunnel on the other, and could not get my kid out of his car seat. We're in the driveway. I'm like, I can't, I can't get my thumb in that buckle, so I was digging around the driveway looking for rocks to shove into that buckle so I could release it and get him out because the poor kid was so sick. Um, so I started doing some research trying to find out if there's anything out there on the market that helps people with, with hand pain or hand weakness get kids out of car seats. Because what if there's an emergency? Like what if the car's on fire and grandpa has arthritis and can't get his grandkid out of the car? Like isn't this a like a risk? Right. There's nothing. There was nothing available. There's plenty of tools out there that lock the kids in the car seat so they can't get themselves out. So um, I just felt it really weighing on me that I needed to make this. I needed to create this because the world needed it, because it needed to 
keep kids safe. Yeah. Um, so it hit me at about two o'clock in the morning one night what it should look like, how it would work, how it would fit in the palm of your hand, how it would function, how I would put it in the car. So I went and got my stepson's modeling clay and I started creating what I thought would be a prototype of this thing. Um, and then I went down the path of getting a, um, you know, finding out how do you get a patent? How do you get a patent attorney? How do you research whether or not you can get a patent on a product? And then hiring an engineer. And then I flew to China and I interviewed factories and got tooling made and made my first order and um, came up with my ideal consumer and started marketing it once I got my first shipment in. And I started getting letters from people who were so grateful that I had invented it. Grandparents who would mm -hmm. say, I can't even take my grandkids to the park or to the library until your invention because I couldn't deal with the car seat. I had one mom who um, had, uh, it was MS, and MS, I guess you get attacks, mm -hmm. and so you don't always know when you're going to have your hand strength, yeah. so she was legally not allowed to drive her own children around unless she had someone in the car with her until I invented this. She took it to her physician, the physician wrote a letter, she took it to the DMV, she then had that ban lifted so that she could drive her own children around. Mm -hmm. Because now if she had an MS attack, she could still get the kids out of the car. So it's been a labor of love. I really don't make much money on it. I had big dreams of funding an orphanage in Soweto, South Africa for a friend who's a missionary down there. Um, but that was a long time ago. Now I just, I just sell it as sort of a passion project and know that I created it because I was inspired divinely to create it and bring it to the world as a useful product for keep people safe to keep people safe and help people yeah I totally get that I totally get the whole passion project and working on something just because it just feeds your soul regardless of of how much money it makes yeah. that's that's what lunchbox business has been to me I don't necessarily have a product I didn't invent anything but uh, I definitely understand that getting letters and, and the feedback from people saying please keep doing what you're doing it, it changed my life Right. Just knowing you're making a difference, knowing that people appreciate that thing that is a fire inside of you isn't just for you and it's not yeah. for no reason. It's to actually make the world a better place. Yeah. So we have to keep doing it. We can't not do it. When you've got that fire, you can't not yeah. obey. Yeah. You know? Totally get it. Totally get it. Yep. So what about, uh, I've been to your event center. I think it's fabulous. I've been to several different things there. So tell me how that kind of came about. I'm, I'm sure it connects with your, you know, your production piece of the company. Like how does that all, how did that all fit together? Yeah. Well, I wasn't looking for an event center. I wasn't trying to be a property manager and, and interact with the public to the degree that I do now. Um, I had been producing events for about three years, and then it kind of came onto my radar screen because of Tina Nowick, actually, oh, nice. the founder of, or the director of Polkadot. Yes. She was like, there's this person I think you need to meet. She has this event space that maybe you could use. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll go and check it out because I had been renting like Boise Center on the Grove and the Botanical Gardens and Cottonwood Grill and conference rooms and they're so expensive and there's all these rules and you have like mandatory food requirements, coffee and water and it's just so pricey, yeah. which was always inflating the ticket price of any event I would do and 
you know, ticket prices really here in the Boise area to be super approachable for the public need to range between $25 and $35. Yeah. If you're going to fill the room, that's about the price you need to hit. But if you're renting out an event space that costs you $1,500 and you're not exactly sure how many tickets you're going to sell because you can do the math and say, well, if I get 80 tickets, then I'm going to be fine. But if you only sell 20, then you're in the red. And right. that's tough. It's a tough investment every time and you're never... You're never guaranteed that you're going to sell the amount of tickets that are going to cover your costs. So Tina was like, I think this is going to be an inexpensive venue that you can use to put on some of your events. Went and saw it, met the person who was currently operating it, and um, thought it was cool, definitely an option, put it on my radar screen. But then she reached out to me, the, the person who operated the space, said, do you want to just take it over? Like, do you want to just basically pay me rent and it's yours. And then anything you make above and beyond that monthly rent is yours. And at first I was like, oh no, that just seems like way too, like True. way more than I want to take on because it's not just for my events, it's it's for the public, for weddings and concerts and you know 50th wedding anniversaries and 70th birthday parties and graduation parties and, um, the liability with that was just not something that I was willing to take on at the time. So as with everything in my business, as with everything in my life, I went into it prayerfully, right? I sat with it for a while. Um, I prayed on it. I journaled about it. I meditated on it. And it took me about three weeks to really come to the conclusion that um, it was something I wanted to do. And I happened to be at my parents' house. Um, it was over the summer. Yeah, because I took the event center over on August 1st. So I was at home in California in like June or July visiting with my parents. Mm -hmm. And they were like, what can we do to help you? Like, what can we do to help make your business grow? Yeah. And I was like, um, well, if you want to give me $20,000, I could take over an event center and refurbish it and remodel it and probably do a pretty good job with it. They're like, we could probably lend that to you. Let's come up with a contract. Let's come up with terms. And I was like, what? They didn't ask me for a business plan. They didn't ask me for a financial model or forecast. What they did is they just believed in me. Right. They, the fact that they, without hesitation, in that very moment were like, yeah, okay, was such affirmation to me that I'm, doing the right thing. Because right. when my parents believe in me, I, I don't really need anybody else to believe in me. Like when my parents yeah. believe in me, they're like, yeah, you're doing a good thing, go. I was like, oh shoot, then okay, I gotta do this, okay. Right. So we figured it out, we worked it out, um, got the money, figured out what I needed to do, and uh, started, I went and signed a contract with the person who operate, who owned the space at the time, and basically kind of subleased it in, in essence. Um, and then started buying furniture and hired a painter and got window coverings and just was like one of those, if you build it, they will come kind of notions. I hope. Right? <laughs> but again, prayerfully. Right. You know, when I go into anything and my spirit is screaming, go, 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 not stop, 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 yeah. I know it's going to be fine. And it's been a little over five months now. It seems like it's been longer than that. And I'm just now turning the corner on turning a profit on this thing. So it's that's, been, a, that's fast it, though. In this in the entrepreneurial right. world to be at 
less than six months and feeling like you can finally break even, like that's tremendous. Yeah. That's awesome. It, yeah. It's, I'm cautiously optimistic because you just never know. You just never know what's going to happen. Right. But I feel like I've put the work in and the momentum is there and the right people have been in this space and the right people are around me and I'm getting encouragement and support and affirmation. So all I can do is keep going. I can't stop now. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Plus it takes the opportunity for you to produce events in a space that you can control. You can control the food, you can control pretty much everything about, you know, how that how that's going. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. I yeah. And most people know I only produce transformational events, meaning um I guarantee that you will be um transformed intellectually, emotionally, physically, or spiritually by any event that I'm involved in, whether I'm just promoting it or whether I'm producing it. And if you aren't, I will give you your money back. That is my guarantee. So I don't get involved in weddings or parties or celebrations. It's, it's not, that's not what I do. So I get to choose now what I get involved in. And then anybody else can rent that space out for whatever they want. Right. Absolutely. I'm not going to get involved with it. Right. I'm not a party planner. I don't decorate. I'm terrible at decorating. <laughs> you and me both. Oh, ah. Don't ask me to like put balloons and streamers and like, yeah, no, somebody else needs to do that. Yeah. But finding the right people who have a message to share about change or growth or wisdom, those people seem to be flocking to me because there's this need to share the stories, the experience, the knowledge, and the wisdom. And I'm just more than happy to share this space with people and help gather a crowd so they can give their gifts to the people who need to receive them. Fantastic. And then you get to share your gifts. Right? Yeah. Yeah. By helping, like, I get to encourage them and I get to help them craft their message and then help them fine-tune their presentation. And I've got 35 years of public speaking experience. And so when somebody comes to me and says, gosh, I'm kind of nervous about going on stage, um, but I know I have to do this. I know I have to share a message. I'm like, let's rehearse. Say it. Start. Tell me. What are you going to tell the audience? Let's go. Come on. Give it to me. All right. So let's fine tune that. Let's refine this. Expand on that. Go bold here. Get involved. Be interactive, right? I give the little, I'm not a coach. I don't call myself that but I'll help coach people right. through that process of getting comfortable and confident being sure. on stage. Yeah, because there's there's this fine line between I, I am inspired and I have to share this message and I have to do it to other people. Right? <laughs> like I have to actually... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's and a ledge that some people just won't get out on. They just won't because of, you know, because they're just terrified. Yeah, that whole public speaking thing being like the number one fear in the world. It's so, so weird. It, it is, but but what I've discovered is, I think most of us have that fear. Mm-hmm. Probably most of us. Even if we've been on stage, you know, so many times and we're comfortable up there now, the difference being the fear, I believe, comes from a lack of resonating with the message and information you're sharing on stage. Mm-hmm. So if you've rehearsed stuff, if you're trying to train on Excel, you're trying to train a group on Excel and you hate Excel, you're not going to do a good job in your presentation. Right. right. If you're just trying to memorize, you know, information in an organized format and then regurgitate it, it's not going to come across well and you're going to feel nervous and you're going to feel self-conscious and you're going to be shaking. 
But when you're sharing something that comes from here, yeah, it's pretty powerful. It changes your level of confidence on that stage, and people feel your energy. They feel your message. You don't feel like you're being judged quite as much because you just know that you're you're divinely given some information you have to share. Yeah. If you don't share it, you're being disobedient to a degree. Yeah. So you have to just muster up and go. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, you obviously had some great successes. So what are some of the habits that you've built that, that you feel like have created this path for success for you? Habit, you know, um, I don't even view my patterns as habits. I, it's just like, it's what I have to do. It's just what I have to do. I know I need eight hours of sleep a night. Dude, if I don't, if I don't get <laughs> my eight, and like if I consistently don't get my eight, my brain starts to short circuit, and I can't, I get overwhelmed. I can't handle the amount of information that comes at me on a daily basis. So my sleep is sort of mission critical. I, I get my sleep. Um, doesn't mean that I don't pull all-nighters from time to time. Sure. But I'll only pull an all-nighter working till 2 or 3 in the morning if I know I can sleep in till like 8 or 8.30. Sure. Um, so I manage that. Um, the other is I – have you read The Four Agreements? I have. Okay. Yeah. Be impeccable with your word is sort of my, my guiding principle. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a flake. I'm occasionally flawed in like typos and little <laughs> errors here and there. But if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I, I, I might not do it to the degree that um, is the absolute best I possibly could have done from time to time because we're all imperfect. Sure. But I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show up. I'm going to send the information. I'm going to send the email. I'm going to try my best to hit the deadline. If I said I'm going to get it to you by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to get it to you by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, or I'm going to send you a message that says, I am very sorry. I wasn't able to get it done in time. You'll have it in your inbox in the morning. It's just being impeccable with your word, not saying things you don't actually mean, um, acting with integrity. The, those are sort of my foundational habits. I'm terrible about exercise. I'm terrible about what I eat. Like all the, those are not good habits that I've built, but it's, it's more of an integrity and commitment to my, to my word. Right. It sounds like drive though is really kind of one of your, like I get up every single morning and I am going to drive myself to, to succeed. I may not know what today's to-do list looks like when I get up in the morning, but I am going to figure it out. Yes. So it sounds very much like like that drive is is certainly there, which a lot of people honestly just don't have. Like they'll have an idea and they're like, I just don't know what to do with that. And then they and then they walk away. And then things like the buckle bopper never get invented because they just don't have that drive. And I think that's so critical from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Yeah, I guess so. And I don't even really think of it that way. Yeah. It's it's just part of who I am. Like if I look back on my past and and you know, just who I've been all along, I've really never been a rule follower. I've made my own trail. I've marched to my own drum. My parents will affirm this. I just 
I dropped out of high school. I I quit. I quit. I quit things when they, when they don't align with me. I'm like, eh, I'm gonna find a different way. Yeah. I don't need to go to college. But then I found out I didn't need to go to college. Um, but I didn't think I needed to go to college. I didn't think I needed to show up for class. I didn't think I needed to obey <laughs> the not sneaking out of your room at night rule. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we all have those moments. Oh my gosh. But um, it's it's this. I don't know, it's like this mission to just live life to the fullest and do all the things I feel like down yeah. in here, just my core, you've got to go do this thing. Okay, I got to yeah. go do this thing. Absolutely. You talked a little bit about some of your non-negotiables, uh, especially when it comes to character, when it comes to your life. Are there any particular things in, in your business that you're like, this is a boundary for me, this is a non-negotiable? I'm not moving past this line. Yeah, actually, um, I had a sense of a, a non-negotiable, and then I decided to cross that line and give it a try, and I realized, yep, nope, not going to do it. So um, I recently put on a corporate event, and I had thought, I'm not, I don't do corporate events. I, it's not transformative in nature. Although I tried to justify it in my mind, well, you're uniting a workforce, you're giving them a celebration, rewarding them for the work that they've done throughout the year, um, and there's good money in corporate events. Like yeah. there's 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 big budgets yeah. for those kinds of things. Um, so I I executed a corporate event and um, it absolutely did not resonate with me in any way at the core of my being because what I heard was be at the office on Sunday morning, be the last one in the office on Friday night, show up on Saturday at the office. And these are, these are the things that I believe corporate America is doing to our society that are ruining family values. Yeah. I believe that when corporate America says your priority should be employer, self, family, that this is what's ruining lives and ruining families. And I don't want to contribute to that. So a non-negotiable for me is I'm not going to be involved in an event that does not leave my guests feeling somehow a better version of themselves when they leave. Yeah. That's pretty, 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 pretty dang powerful. Like, it just makes me go, oh, let me see what else she's got going on. Like, I just... <laughs> Want to be a part of all of that goodness. It feels so good. Yeah. It feels really good. Good. Because, you know, I, if we're inspired in some way, like you are with Lunchbox Wisdoms, to try and put little sparks of genius and goodness and happiness and love and make people feel somehow better yeah. or, or want them to, or they are inspired to live into a better version of themselves, we have to do it. Yeah. You have to keep doing it. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you were going to give one piece of advice to a starting out entrepreneur, what would it be? Okay. This, uh, this um, really speaks to the core of who I am, the, the faith core of who I am. Don't make any decisions until you have talked to God about it. Yeah. Whether it's universe, divine wisdom, your creator, however you you choose to frame that up for yourself, make sure that you are divinely aligned with your mission and your desire. Because I believe 
you know, everyone always says, you can do anything you want to do. To the mo for the most part, you can. But if you are ill-equipped to move forward on a, a dream or a vision that you have, and you step into something without like divine spiritual alignment, it's very risky. Um, because while you might not have all the skills and experience to do what it is you think you're going to do, if you're divinely inspired and equipped to move forward into a passion or a dream, that equipping will come at the right time. The right sure. people will be put into your path. The right information will be given to you at just the right moment. But if you, if you just blindly, you know, bull in a china shop, move forward into a vision or a dream, and you don't have that alignment deep in your core spiritually, um, and I can't really tell you how to know. Like it's just one of those those deep knowings that either you're on track or you're not. Right. Um, and you need to know that you're on track and you're living out your life mission and your calling before you move forward in something so big. Yeah. Um, there's financial risk. There's reputation at risk. There's other people's reputation at risk. Um, if you agree to take on a client and you let them down, not only have you hurt your own brand, you've hurt their brand, yeah. right? So you have to be careful and that it's not always all about you. It's about those people that are coming around you and are you capable and ready to serve them to the degree that they need to be served? And I think you can only know that if you're absolutely confident in your core and your spirit that you're doing what it is you were meant to do with your life. Sure, absolutely. I think we see a lot of that um, that separation when it comes to greed or mm -hmm. um, self-fulfillment over the fulfillment of others. And I think that's really kind of where that, that line, at least for me, you know, it definitely has to be drawn. You know, I, I ask my question, myself that question, you know, anytime something new pops up, is am I fascinated by this because of money? Am I fascinated with this because of uh, the service that I can provide? Am I fascinated by this because it just looks sexy? You know, what, whatever the, those yeah. things seem. So I have to really kind of dig into all of those questions with anything that might come my direction. Um, even individual clients that come to me, I'm like, Yes. Why do I why do I want to take on this client? You know, why why do I want to be able to help them? Is it because it really will help them change their life or am I just looking for the easy score? Right. The, Is it just the next client or does yeah. it seem like the right one to align myself with, you know? Right. It can. Right. So one thing I've learned, okay, so here's here's the ultimate word of advice since you asked and I didn't really articulate it as well as you have. Um, do not make business decisions based solely on the expected financial outcome. Period. Yeah. If it's only about money, you'll lose every time. Yeah. And I've learned, and it's, it, the, the universe has had to teach me this lesson and I've ignored it a couple of times and I had to relearn it and it's been a painful experience. Yeah. Um, I've made decisions that were solely based on oh, yeah. financial outcome. <laughs> I need that paycheck, I need that paycheck, I really need that paycheck, so I'm gonna take on that client that I know isn't fully aligned with 
but I need the paycheck and they have the money and they're willing to pay. Mm -hmm. So I think I can figure out how to justify it. And then I regret it. Every time. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. I've had the same experience. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every decision that I, that I make now in my business has to be about the service that I can provide. Uh, otherwise it's, it, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It doesn't matter how much the paycheck might be. It no, just doesn't work. It really doesn't. Yeah. Because when you're living out your calling and you're doing what it is you're meant to do with your life, the money will appear in other ways. Yeah. It'll show up in the right way. That's more aligned with who you are and what you're supposed to do. We can't get caught up in fear. We can't let fear drive our choices. Yes. And fear of not getting that paycheck is absolutely a thing. And you, you have to learn to ignore it. You have to learn to shut it down and be like, okay, I really need that money because my mortgage needs to be paid this month. But if you trust, if you trust the universe, if you trust in God, it will appear in a better way. Yeah. Yeah. That trust is a hard piece for people. And I think until you have been courageous enough to make that decision repeatedly You're and right. seen the, seen the fruits of that labor of making that choice, it's so hard the first few times. You're just like, Ugh. right. And like, oh. am, I being, am I making yeah. a responsible choice? Am I doing yes. the right thing? Like yeah. I'm a single mom. I pay my mortgage, I pay my car payment, I got a kid, I got to put clothes on him and food on the table. And when I'm saying no to a paycheck, in my mind, I'm like, am I being a responsible parent? Am I doing the right thing for my family? How could I possibly walk away from the money? Because money is security. Yeah. It's hard, it but it's like this muscle. You condition yourself when you, when you say no consistently to things that don't align, you learn that you can trust because it will show up in another way. Absolutely, absolutely. So for people who don't know, how can people find you out in the big world? In the big world, yeah. So I have a few different websites, um, all of which I've built on my own, but I am getting help with my SEO, search engine optimization. <laughs> if you're not familiar with what that is. It's important. It's important, like when I took over the Lake Harbor Events website, and then you would search event centers in Boise, I was on page four. Oh my goodness. Page four. I hired Jenny DeBusk. She optimized my SEO. I am now number three on page one, ranked number three on page one. You want to know why? There were typos in my metadata. In that background HTML code behind my website, the word event was misspelled. Oh, that's not good. Not that's good. Not right, little things like that, right? Um, so I can be found at lakeharborevents.com. All my contact information is there. I can be found at bucklewopper.com. All my contact information is there. And at migpresents.com. Oh, no, 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 sorry, migenterprises.com. Um, all of my contact information is there or email. Um, I'm not going to put my phone number out there. Just Probably not. a bad idea. I wouldn't share that. Right. <laughs> Facebook, like I'm all over Facebook, um, at the Lake Harbor Event Center, um, at MIG Enterprises Presents, and my personal Facebook page, Marlene Robinson. Um, so I am easy to find. I'm easy to get a hold of. And I really want to hear from people. If they have a message that they think they need to share with the world, they have something weighing on their heart, their spirit, their soul, that they know is a gifting and is important for the world to hear, I want to hear from them. I do have a couple of basic rules, guidelines, I guess, more like, 
Um, I think it's very important to never have a solo gig. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, number one, it's better for the audience when you have more than one presenter. Because if you just have one presenter up in front of a group, not necessarily everyone in that audience is going to resonate with the one presenter. Right. But if you have more than one presenter, the odds of impacting every single person in that room raise exponentially. So you get okay. two different people up there on that stage, you're pretty much guaranteed everyone in the audience will resonate with at least one of them, if not both of them. So your odds of impacting and changing lives totally increase. The other is it's really a good idea to cross-pollinate audiences. Absolutely. Right. So so let's say we're gonna we're gonna get you on stage with Julie Gomes and you are gonna teach us so many things about um, Canva and about Trello and how to use these tools and then Julie's gonna get up and teach about Pinterest and Facebook algorithms and social media algorithms well Julie has an audience of people you have an audience of people Absolutely. they don't necessarily know each other each other so not only are they gonna meet but now they're Julie's audience is gonna learn all about you and what you do and your audience is gonna learn all about Julie and what she does it's good for everybody in the room. I absolutely agree. I love that idea because it gives us an instant opportunity to collaborate with someone that we're not necessarily familiar with, be that from a presenter perspective and from an audience perspective. So I just think it just increases everybody's opportunities exponentially. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you've pretty much talked about all of the things that you do, but uh, how do you give back? How do I give back? I love to give. I, I'm a giver. Like the whole go-giver yes. mentality. Yes. That's sort of my guiding principle. Um, I used to be the women's ministry leader at my church, and that was all volunteer basis and honestly was sort of how I got into putting these large-scale events on. Um, and it was all just for the church. Any money that was ever made from any of those events just went right back to yeah. the church. Um, and leading women's ministries is always a volunteer type of position and um, I've been teaching Bible studies for about 10 years and Sunday school and all that good stuff. Um, but with regard to my business, um, I give, I give my advice freely. Like I don't, I don't charge for the, the insight that I can offer on improving your speaking skills, your public presentation skills, how to put, put together a PowerPoint presentation, how to manage a microphone and a PowerPoint advancer at once. Um, I, you know, that's just, that's just part of who I am. I want to help you become the best version of you possible. I give the event center space often to nonprofit organizations, to the Pokemon powerhouse, to um, brainstorming and mastermind groups, things that are going to help our community gather and improve. I am often donating that space. Before you network, we put on a, a festival called Kim Fest every year, yeah. the Kind Your Mind yeah. Festival, yeah. reducing violence and healing trauma in the community. We do that in Nampa. Last year we had about 3,000 people. This year we're expecting about 6,000 people. Right? It takes an army. That army gathers at the event center to plan, to prepare, to train, to organize. That event center space is used for free to help make that event possible. I love everything that you're doing. I'm so honored to be able to get to know you just a little bit better. How was that? I literally could spend all day talking to that woman. Isn't she incredible? 
Thank you all so much for watching. Make sure to subscribe below so that you don't miss a moment of what we've got coming next. And until next time, share the goodness. Thank <laughs> you.